Hi there, thanks for joining us and welcome to another High Performance Podcast. As always, your reviews, if you can leave them for us, make such a difference. Let me just share a couple with you. Thank you very much to Lobaldino from Ireland for saying the High Performance Podcast is certainly that. Fantastic interviews, great guest variations, hugely positive and a great look at how high achievers approach life and their respective disciplines. Um, thanks very much also to Scarlett from Turkey who got in touch and left a review on Apple Podcasts saying, I've only just come across this podcast and have binged nearly every episode in the last few days as a teacher I find so much of what is said relatable to the classroom and that's been one of the real highlights for Damien and myself just how many teachers have got in touch to say that they're really enjoying what they hear on the podcast and I think this week you're also going to enjoy what we've got in store yeah I think it's fear is what holds the majority of the world back it's the scare it's, it's, the, it's this, um, the fear of people laughing at you if it doesn't work or your parents saying I told you so or all of those types of things and I guess when I started the brand I was just left Man City as I said and I went to Doncaster I had nothing to lose it was like I said to myself well you've got two choices you get back to the Premier League or this business goes to the top. We're really looking forward to finding out what you have to say about this week's podcast. There was a nice message actually on LinkedIn from someone saying, uh, Jake, Damien, I had an eight hour spell in the car today for the first time in ages. So finally got a chance to binge listen to the high performance podcast. And they picked out the likes of Stephen Bartlett, Holly Tucker, Dina Asher-Smith and Sean Wayne, who they thought was an Aussie spin bowler. But it turned out to be an amazingly inspirational rugby league coach. So thank you to Chris for that message. And thanks to everyone for getting in touch. And we're also very appreciative of this week's guest for joining us. So let's get on with this week's High Performance Podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi there, I'm Jake Comfrey. You're listening to High Performance, the podcast that delves into the minds of some of the most successful athletes, visionaries, entrepreneurs and artists on the planet and aims to unlock the very secrets to their success. As ever, I'm not alone. Our resident professor and author Damien Hughes is with us. And Damien, sometimes we speak to sporting stars, other times we speak to entrepreneurs who've done amazing things. It's rare for us to get the chance to speak to somebody who's nailed both of those things, both of which are incredibly hard to do. Yeah, and I think the one word summary of what I'm really interested in exploring today, Jake, is the term commitment. You know, this is somebody that's been committed in two dynamic, fast-moving industries and been successful in both. So I'm really excited to uh, to find out more. 
Right, let's do it then. Let's meet today's guest. And he did something very few young lads with a dream around him would have managed. He made his Manchester City first team debut as a teenager. He then played for seven clubs over the next few years. But for him, it wasn't all about the game. He was building a fashion brand, which has become a multi-million pound success story worn by some famous faces. And he is absolutely the driving force of that. Um, I follow him on Twitter. It gives me inspiration, actually, just by seeing the things he puts out there. Um, He is the man that runs Manier Devoir. He was a professional footballer. He's the epitome of a young, self-made success story. Reese Wabara, welcome to High Performance. Thank you for having me. It's nice to have you with us. So let's start, as we always do, what is High Performance? Um, I think High Performance is is obviously the 1% of the 1%. And I think what really defines High Performance is consistency and how long you can maintain uh, that reign at the top, so to speak. Um, it's almost a, a no-excuse mindset, um, full accountability. And yeah, just consistency. You know, you've got to do the same things over and over again and uh, in the hope of obviously achieving the wildest dreams. But I was actually speaking to a friend yesterday and the, the theory is pretty simple um, but very hard to execute. And it's just a case of setting your plan, setting what you want to achieve, uh, researching who's the best in the industry, and find a way to almost emulate and add your stamp on that and obviously with the aims of being even better than the, the, the person that is the best at the current moment. And you've just got to wake up every day and make sure that whatever you set out to do, you do. Um, I think a lot of people and uh, my generation and millennials, when they don't get immediate success, they give up um, because obviously with social media and whatnot now, I think that's the, that's the problem um, in, in today's world now. Um, even myself, I think people look at my current where where I live or the, the cars I have or whatever and think oh that happened overnight but that's been seven years every day non-stop um, you know analyzing data researching um, obviously in the fashion world uh, seeing what trends that come in and go and etc so um, high performance is yes sticking to your task every day and and getting the work done. But so you're talking there about your successful mindset, and you and you referred quite a few times to most people think this or most people think that, and you're totally right in that. But where does this come from for you? Where did this mindset develop, or this understanding of, you know, something we've seen from quite a few successful people, where immediately you say, oh, "I spoke to my mate, we broke down exactly where we want to go and how we're going to get there," and then you just simply follow the process, like. That is a very difficult thing for a lot of people to even understand, let alone execute. So where did, where did this develop from? Um, when I was around 23, I started reading like very extensively. And um, what I noticed is a pattern emerging with several of the books and all of the, the people who, or the authors of the books have typically achieved good things, whether that's been an author or, or in different backgrounds. And they all kind of alluded to the same process and mindset. Um, and effectively, if you could write the key points of all of those books, they they all practically say the same thing. So reading definitely helped me. What were they? like? How do you summarise those now in your head, those points that the book wrote down? Um, you've got to think really big. Um, you can't make excuses. Uh, you have to hold yourself accountable for everything that happens, more so on the bad side because success is also shared, whereas failures is normally you've just got to take it, take it on the chin and hold it for yourself. Yeah, mostly those those three points. So what I like though about that, and Damien, we've spoken about this so many times. Really, what Reese is talking about there is one hundred percent responsibility. Don't have any excuses. Don't pass the buck to anybody. Yeah, and that's the thing that's come out at, uh, in all of the interviews that we've done, Reese, with high performers, has been this idea of 
it might not be your fault, but it's your responsibility to fix it and and to make the best of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, everything can't be 100% your fault. But if you're a leader and you hire someone and they don't do the job correctly, that's still your fault because you hired the person. Sure. Or you could have put in steps or processes to help that person not make that error. So um, when, when in, in my business, if people make errors, of, first of all, I look at myself and go, how could I have helped that person do their job better? And then obviously I try and fix that. I guess after you know three or four times, you've got to you know say, okay, well, maybe it's not the right person. But there's always things you can do in your daily life to make sure that you don't fail. Or if you do fail, you can break that, that down systematically. And there's probably a reason why failures sure. happened. See, what intrigued me, Reese, when I was reading about your career to date was that your success as a footballer makes you unique. There's that statistic that uh, less than half a percent of kids that set off on a journey will become a professional. So you succeeded there and then you've gone into a fast-moving, dynamic, competitive world of fashion and you succeed in there. Do you think having those two options helped or hindered you in each of those careers, both as a footballer and a business leader? Um, in, in football education as a business leader definitely helped me because you have to be so resilient in football. There's constant rejection. Um, fortunately, I was at Man City and I was around really high-performance people at the top of their game. So just watching how they operated on a daily can only... I could take nuggets from them and understand, well, that's what you have to do, no matter like whether it's Aguero or David Silva, they're always doing the same thing every single day, no matter that success. And um, I wish I would have learned those skills maybe earlier in my career and or had the intelligence to analyze it and observe it because I only look back in hindsight and realize oh that person was so consistent and never changed in terms of their uh, the output and input towards their craft and I was probably a little naive and uh, maybe not intelligent enough to spot those signs early on but it definitely um, aided me in business I guess the business actually hindered me in football because um when I was playing, obviously the business was, I was 22 when I started and I think at the time I just left Man City um, and I think I went to Doncaster initially. And I think after a year or so, the business was doing quite successful for a, for a startup and, you know, in that football sphere, there was a lot of people wearing it. There was a lot of friends of the footballers wearing it. So in that world, it was seen quite a lot, to be honest. And obviously social media was on the uprise and the reach of everything was astronomically more than it is now so it was like in everyone's faces so to speak and um, when you've got managers who are quite dated and uh, old school and they see a young boy and I was always rather flamboyant probably too flamboyant for the level I was at but that was just my personality I've always been that way and I didn't really want to change but when you've got someone driving a nice car young and has a business straight away those dots connect and someone goes he's not interested in football he just wants to have that lifestyle so um, fortunately I managed I managed to slowly progress from Doncaster and then I went to Barnsley I think I then moved from Barnsley to Wigan within six months and then obviously we won the league with Wigan and I was in team of the year then I got released so obviously being team of the year and being released was uh, the rumours I heard about why I was released because obviously no one could attribute it to my on pitch performances was insane but I just sat down with the manager at the end of the season he said I don't think you're focused on football which my obviously response was the numbers aren't lying here so what's the issue and that that um, kind of disheartened me to be fair and I, didn't, I stopped playing for almost a year 
and that's when I went to Bolton. But a year out of the game, is, and I think it was like uh, middle of the season, and I had to pick up the slack was quite quite difficult. And I only started finding my fitness towards the the end of the season, and I was in good form as well, which obviously led to their promotion. So, and then I just decided to completely stop because um, the business was doing really well. Um, I know focus is super important, and doing both is. Um, I remember my dad saying, it's easy to do both. I'm like, yeah, you would say that. <laughs> but obviously to be high performance in two rounds, I don't think it's, it's obviously possible, but it's extremely difficult um, because, you know, there's only one person and to have your mind in two headspaces, one in business mm. with staff and lots of moving parts and then one in football when you've got to travel, you know, I never switched off. It was like, okay, Monday to Friday, I'd go to training, go into the office and I'd be like, oh, I'm tired from, I'm mentally tired from business. I've got a game tomorrow. Then I'm in recovery for Sunday. So, of course, everything's possible, but I think I was 25 at the time, and 28 now, or 26, I can't remember. Um, and I just had to make a choice. What's most long-term? Where can I be the best of the best in? And unfortunately, at the time, I mean, it was possible for me to play in the Premier League, and I think that would have been likely. But to be a Champions League World Cup winning footballer was very low percentage. So I just had to make the logical choice, and that was to continue with the business and hopefully take that to the heights it could hit. So when you look back on it now, do you wish you'd have maybe made that choice sooner to have left football behind? Not necessarily, because um, I think I needed to get out of my head first. I needed to know that, okay, I've left, I've came back. And at that point, I really, obviously, I, I wanted to um, give everything my all. And I did, and I worked really hard. And But there was too many barriers, too many ceilings to break down. And and I'm all for breaking down ceilings, but not when if I don't need to, there's no point. So I just needed to kind of get that. I'm not going to be a footballer in my head no more. And uh, kind of that mental just break completely and then focus on business. So I think the timing was right. Uh, The business was, I think, three years old at that point. Um, So obviously it's it's gaining stability from the, the startup phase. And it's probably the perfect timing, to be fair, in hindsight. I mentioned at the beginning that I follow you on Twitter and I think your tweets are fascinating. You know, you are very open about finance and things. You will share how much money Manio Devoir is turning over each month. looks massively successful. Images of cars. There's like an image of a plane and a nice car with, and you've put the logo on. I mean, that, that's either your plane or that's the ambition, right? <laughs> but, the, but you're making it very, very clear to anyone that follows you quite overtly this is the ambition I want to go to the top and I'm on my way and I'm happy to share the whole journey with you so I want I want to know how much of that is about you proving the people that couldn't deal with you in football wrong how much is that fire left over from football and you're saying yeah you know what you thought that this wouldn't happen or you thought I wasn't good enough or whatever have a look at how I'm doing yeah absolutely I don't think the fires from football I think that that Past, I think people knew the business was successful towards my end of you know leaving, but that the the fire will always remain, and if the fire's not there, I have to fuel the fire, and that's that's how I operate. Because if no one's criticising me or down to me, I don't think I can operate at my highest level. Um, I think complacency kills massively, and I think it's almost a trick to my own subconscious that I need someone to kind of say I can't. So do who it. are you speaking to then? Are you putting that out there? so that people maybe come back at you and go, oh, whatever, and then you use that as the fire? Or is, when you put those tweets out, who's in your head? Like, or what yeah. is in your head? So when I, I, when I, I've only started to do that recently, and what I, the reason why I did that most, mostly is because um, I don't really do any interviews or press, or I don't, I don't, obviously a lot of businesses use press um, outlets to 
showcase their success and whatnot. And I've never done that. And I've done that always because obviously those, those numbers are, well, those, when you're doing those articles, they're for your ego really to say, oh, they're doing well. And because I didn't, haven't done that for so long, I, I heard through the, like, I can hear whispers through the grapevine, like, oh, is, does it, is MDV even successful? But obviously you can just go on company's house and do your research, but most people don't do that. They only see what they see on social media and take that at face value. So I was almost becoming my own news outlet to showcase, okay, well, you're talking, you've seen all these articles on other businesses, but these other businesses, not to say they're not better or worse than MDV, but they're different. Like MDV is privately owned, there's no investment. And I kind of break down those figures to make people stop comparing myself or the brand to others. And of course, there's businesses even better than MDV, but just to, just as a case of to be my kind of, just to let people know about having to go to the media outlets yeah. and whatnot. Um, and as you said, then also to kind of invite some criticism because um, like I said some people crumble from that stuff and for me kind of my friends would tell you if anybody doubts me or anyone beats me in anything I'll make sure that the next time you won't that's just how I, how I operate not to say like I'm a super competitive person and I must win everything it's just the kind of like if someone beats me at chess or whatever I'm like okay good game you did well then I'll go away in my spare time and make sure that when we play again they don't win that's just the way I am as a person and losing fuels me and I always say losing is the best thing in the world and I'm like I'm a graceful loser because I know the next time I won't that's just how I've always been when I was younger I wish I could think how I think now but hindsight's a wonderful thing and if I would have had the same mentality I'd do at say 26 when I was 19 I'm sure I'd be higher up in the in the football world than I finished basically but um, everything happens for a reason and I'm glad I kind of missed that opportunity of uh, obviously Man City England and mm. very highly regarded and again I was complacent that's the bottom line I always worked hard but I didn't do more I could have always done more so I think that kind of uh, not regret because again I wouldn't be here if I didn't have that but I know if I could live life again I would be playing Champions League or Premier League now. Um, so so I you, let, let me get that clear. You are saying the mindset you now have, if you had this mindset 10 years ago, you know you'd be at the very, very top. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but I didn't, so it's, 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 it's one of those things. But um, at the same time, if I didn't have that failure or that slight regret, I wouldn't have been able to achieve at the level I'm at now. So it, it works in roundabouts. See, but I think that you're a real inspiration for a lot of young people that, that aspire for the lifestyle that you have and, 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 and all the success that you've achieved, Reese. Do you think it would be helpful for them to see the struggle as opposed to the outcome? You know, like the idea of a lot of kids love the bling and, and, and the idea of going to the fancy parties, but what you're saying is the real success stories of those that love the struggle the the grind the staying behind when nobody else is there do you think that that would be a powerful message for you to share yeah um, and I think the problem with social media is now everyone shows the the outcome I think if people have followed me I, I've got like quite a as much as it's not a huge audience it's a very like interactive audience they engage with everything I say and I think that's because I've showed the hard struggle throughout and now I want to show the cars, for example. I don't really receive too much uh, jealousy or hate because I think people have seen, oh, he's been doing this for six years every single day. So, like, even though typically if someone was just to show a car, they'd be like, 
fuck off basically but in this situation if you like I said if you're one of my core um, audience you're like oh you know what he's been hustling grinding every single day he deserves that's the outcome and I make that clear as well I'm like okay well these things don't mean anything but these are just a byproduct of you seeking excellence and um, as I said about seeking failure etc I actually say to my staff when things are going too well it means we're not you know, we're not doing enough. I expect things to break at least every two years. And when I say break, I mean almost catastrophic, like, you know, lose a lot of money type of break. Um, we're probably going to feature that this year because the warehouse is at full capacity. So we've got to switch warehouse and I'm sure there's going to be some inefficiencies there. But I feel like, yeah, I actually look forward to things breaking because it, it shows that there's a new realm of growth. I think if you get to a point and you feel like you're, it's too easy or you know, it's not breaking enough. You need to probably have a think of, you know, what's next? Is this career for me? Or if you're content, that's great too, because not everyone's um, built or even likes kind of always growing. So can I ask you about your dad? Because he intrigues me when I was reading some of the stuff around and you meant reference to, he had this idea of, well, you can be successful in both and, yeah. and sort of instilled that can-do mentality in you. Yeah. And he seemed an important figure in your football career. Yeah. Would yeah, you definitely. tell us a bit about his influence? Uh, he's, um, he's an intelligent guy. Um, I always say, like, I'm, obviously, he's, he's done okay in life. I mean, he's, you know, he's got a decent job. But I always say I'm what he could have been because he's very intelligent. Um, but he's very lethargic. And he, he always does the bare minimum to keep him at that level, which obviously is, is great. And he's a very content person, so he's very happy. And that's the main thing. But... I'm kind of like his natural intelligence or like he sees things quite clearly, like he can connect dots quite well. And I kind of had that work rate or desire and consistency to to really go to the next level. So he's definitely an important figure in my life. He's a, he's um, very calm, relaxed. And like I said, he sees things with clarity. So if I ever need to speak to someone, which is quite rare, but he's always got like a, a good... Um, outlook on, on the situation even though he might not be within the fashion world he's he can observe what's going on and because uh, that's the key that we were interested in in terms of who who is your mentor now that he obviously seemed to do that when you were in the world of football but who mentors you now that you're in a completely new world of, of fashion no one to be honest um because of the the level the business is at and the way the business is um uh structured like i said it's it's privately owned and there's no investors so typically at we should reach you know 20 something million in sales this year and in and typically in those circumstances you'd have an investment or you'd have a ceo and it's still those things are still me so to ask for advice from people who are in like almost a new world of an e-commerce brand which is only what five ten years old uh, you've got the boohoo's of this world who are obviously publicly traded, huge businesses and way bigger than MDV, which, and a completely different model. They sell cheaper volume clothes who are slightly more expensive, um, slightly less volume based. So there's no actual um, business model which I can, you know, pick nuggets with. My mentor is reading or observing. You know, I observe failures more so than successes because most of the failures they follow the same pattern, whereas everyone's success is slightly different. So I just avoid traps. I say, okay, well, this person's done this, this person's done this, and they both struggle from it. So what's the what's the big trap that that, that you've observed other companies have fallen into? Complacency always. Um, you know, letting your product become lackluster is always the biggest flaw. Um, running before you can walk. 
Um, people try and chase growth figures or revenue figures, which is pure vanity, um, without really focusing on the bottom line. Uh, going to wholesale is a, is a problem too, because you obviously have the payment terms issues, where you know typically they're paying 90 to 120 days, but you've fronted the stock immediately, so that creates cash flow issues. And um, selling to people, selling part of your business to people who don't understand your vision and just see it as a cash cow. So again, I've not done any of those things yet. Um, there might be a possibility of some of those things, albeit in different circumstances to how other people have done it. Um, but yeah, I just spot traps and that's probably the biggest advice I could give anyone is like, don't watch what other people are doing in terms of when they look successful. Um, you can admire their approach, but unless you want to emulate their business, which is also a bad idea, just emulate their approach, but spot people's failures and that'll kind of give you a path to you know, a, a decent kind of incline. And you, you speak about the fashion industry with such a mature head and it sounds like you have such a clear path of where you see MDV going and what the plan is. Are you saying that without a mentor, all of this has really come from listening, reading, watching other people? Because if that is what how you've done it, then really this is open to anyone, isn't it? If you have the right mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Being observant is the key. Um, yeah, I always say I'm a very normal person, but I just, I just observe more um, and obviously consistency and dedication. So I always say on my you know, Instagram and social, read this book, but how many people read it? Like I'll read a book, write notes, read the notes several times or read the same book several times just to take it in because you can't take anything in first time unless you've got an, an elite, elite brain, which yeah. I don't think I do. So um, yeah, everyone can do what I've done. Um, I, th- I hear people say, oh, well, you had football startup money, but people forget that. At Barnsley, I was on page of play. At Wigan, I was there for six months. So it wasn't like I earned millions, you know what I mean? Uh, I started the brand with 15,000, which I do appreciate is more than most, but I think you don't need that much. What you need to do is buy a product which is exceptional and flip, basically. You know, you buy something for £5, sell it for £20, and it's a simple process, and make sure that when you obviously accumulate the money, you, you don't... Um, spend it frivolously but yeah absolutely i think what i've done is open to everybody there's no shadow of a doubt it's just a case of like i said being disciplined consistent have a path spot the traps that other people are doing have your own identity and understand as well if if that's not your natural calling don't force it i feel like a lot of entrepreneurs my age and younger or whatever age i guess they will see that someone's an entrepreneur and they seem to be making money and it looks cool and kind of force themselves down that avenue which isn't meant for them like I always loved fashion like I was wearing things which people when I was at Man City was like what's this guy wearing to training like I shouldn't have wore it but that was me you know that's my personality so that was my natural call and I had a natural understanding without having to work too hard to, to, to kind of get it into my head so but then I see people trying to do fashion and it's not their natural calling, it just looks cool. So I'd say like, if you wanna be an entrepreneur or be anything, don't do it because you see someone else being successful from it. Do it because it's your natural understanding or you seem to get things that people don't then run down it, otherwise just stay in your- And we haven't even sort of broached the topic of bravery either. I think to do anything, yeah, I think to run out on a football field in a Man City shirt when you're still a teenager in the first team with some of the names you've mentioned, that takes bravery. But it's a different kind of bravery to go and set up a fashion label when you knew that the football industry was going to be snobby and sniffy about it because for some reason football loves to put footballers in a box, right? And if you do anything outside that box, we see it all the time in the media. Any footballer 
with any interest apart from playing football, it's used as a stick to beat them with when they when they struggle as a player, right? Which for a start is a mindset that needs to be changed. But also one thing that I love hearing from you is the bravery to go and do this at a time when you when you knew that was going to come your way. And I think so many people listening to this podcast, either young guys in their late teens like you were when you had this idea, or people in their mid to late 50s who've always wanted to do something and have always used an excuse as to why they haven't. The one thing is just to do it, to be brave and to, to just go for it, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's fear is what holds the majority of the world back. It's the, scare, it's, it's the, it's the um, fear of people laughing at you if it doesn't work or your parents saying I told you so or all of those types of things. And I guess when I started the brand, I was just at Man City, as I said, and I went to Doncaster, took a huge pay cut. I still had two cars and lived in the city centre. So the, the money I was earning was literally just maintaining, you know, everything that I had. And I had nothing to lose. It was like, I said to myself, well, you've got two choices. You get back to the Premier League or this business goes to the top. Obviously, I was trying to do both simultaneously. But I knew that if I failed, all of that stuff goes. And that's obviously going to hurt and anyone's ego, especially male ego, if I was to lose the cars, which I like, or the lifestyle that I was having. So for me, I was just like, well, I've got no choice. You either succeed or you fail and I didn't actually care if I failed in the sense of like I could deal with that and I knew that at some point in my life I would be successful again so I have that same mentality today like I will take risks that most people want because I don't care about me failing obviously I care about my staff and their well-being but if I was to lose it all tomorrow I know in three years I'd have it all back so I think that's the difference. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. That move from Manchester City to Doncaster, with due respect to both clubs there, must have felt like a failure that that, that you'd set off to achieve uh, a first-team spot at Manchester City, and now you're there. How important was that quite public failure in, in, in that, in terms of then stripping you of that ego and giving you that, courage not to fear yeah it was a reality check um and you had to look at the facts and that was that was a decline and there was no way two ways about it so that's a huge public 
you've gone from England, Man City debut to Doncaster in League One, I think it was. It was definitely a failure. And you were a punchback when you were a footballer. So eventually you become numb to it. And you... But what do you mean by that, Riz? Because looking from the outside in, again, we've not seen the struggle. So it looks like you had a, an unchecked path of success. Of You've gone to Manchester City, you've made the first team, you've got national representative honours. What were the failures that you described before that? I guess whilst I was at Man City, I had the one opportunity, but there was other players who wasn't, I guess it's, it's biased for me to say as good as me, but they was having more opportunities. But again, I don't blame the club at all because if I look back with, again, a more mature eyes, as I said, if you were 19, you're driving cars, hearing that you go to the clubs, you're hearing about women, why would you give this youngster more opportunities? Obviously, his, his mind's not in the right place. And I completely understand in terms of ability. I was, you know, one of the best in my age group, um, and I think Trippier actually said something recently, like he was the reason he left, I was the reason he left. And obviously he's a fantastic footballer and done great things, but he was obviously in a different headspace to me. He was more determined. That was his sole focus. He wasn't with cars, clothes and women. And he, and, and that's why he's successful in, in you know playing for Atletico Madrid now. So there was a lot of doors closed on me, but it was probably... Not, I wouldn't change anything, but it was my own fault because I didn't play the game in order to let those doors be open. I was kind of like, I always said to myself, and I remember saying to myself as a, as a teenager, as long as I do my thing on the pitch, all of this stuff doesn't matter, which is true. That theory is true, but football's not that simple. It's a political game. And obviously that was a, um, a blind spot that I didn't have at that time. I understand now as a 28-year-old, but um, it's a political game, so I should have played the game more so. So how would you deal with a teenage version of you now if they came to join your business? So if you had a young boy coming in that you could see had obvious talent and was maybe making sales and really adding value to the business, but there was a question marks about their commitment or how focused they were, how would you deal with you? So I have people like that in the business, actually. And um, I encourage their flamboyancy because that was what people tried to strip out from me. But sometimes it's the case of putting the arm around, which people didn't do to me and say, look, I understand you're young. I've been there to go out and drink, but not on a Sunday. Don't come into work. And then other people who are more older than you and senior look at you and go, oh, well, Reese is letting him act that way. You know, don't try and drive that flamboyancy or, you know, their natural character out of them because that's what football does to a lot of people. Just give them a little bit of advice and pat on the back. When I was at Man City and I remember I was, I think I bought an X6 and I had a C63, then I had a Panamera, which is insane for a 19, 20 year old. It's like stupid. Why, why would you do that? I remember at the time the senior players were loving me. They was just like, oh yeah, you know, that car's wicked or keep, keep doing that. And then I think to myself, when now I'm old, I'm like, why would you not tell me not to do that? And that part of me thinks to me, were they really my friend? Do you know what I mean? Because if I saw someone doing that at 19 years old with the world at their feet, I would say, park that for a little bit. Just focus and you can get that in the future. So that reminds me, uh, uh, Warren Joyce, who was the reserve team coach at Manchester United, used to make that very point to the young players there that he'd say, when the senior players are inviting you to come into the jacuzzi after training and they're not doing it because they like your company, they're doing it because they're eradicating you as a threat to them correct yeah that's absolutely it so um, I still speak to some of the lads and obviously I don't bring, I don't bring up that stuff because it's in the past but I do think to myself you didn't look after me like you should have well or I thought if I was in your position with identifying someone's talent I would want to nurture them to make sure they maximise it but I think you're right I think it was a case of like 
let's let this young boy dig his grave. Um, and I did. So it's, it's my good fault. message, though, I think, Reese, for football this, because it's kind of okay for you. Because as you've just said, you're looking at sales of 20 million plus for MDV this year. But there are lots of young people, similar age to you now, who did have that, did make the same mistakes, and are now daily regretting it because they are having to graft in a job they don't like and they're seeing their former teammates on the telly representing England and things. So there is a message here, I think, for football, isn't there, that they need to look after young players better. There needs to be more guidance. But also, I think along with that, there has to be an acceptance that everyone's an individual. And if you have someone who's an individual like you, then if you can get the best out of them, football's a better place for it. Like I would say when you speak to Reese and the, the, the business head he has on him, Damien, and the, the drive and the ambition and single-minded determination, of, of course it's come now because he's a bit older and it always does. But I would sense that football will be a better, more rounded industry if someone like Reese was in it. Very much, yeah. Because talent wasn't an excuse for you, was it? It was you had the talent. So it's all the controllable aspects of work ethic, commitment, individuality is what you're describing wasn't particularly nurtured yeah absolutely and uh I, 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 obviously when i was growing up like i said social media wasn't that prominent and then you had facebook and that was like you know it wasn't as public as instagram is now and the pressures of being a, a young footballer then was like you know have have a nice decent pair of trainers and maybe maybe a little gucci battle bag and now I look and, you know, obviously the, the teenagers are earning much more than I did when I was a teenager, naturally because of inflation. But the pressures for them now is having a £50,000 watch and, you know, a Range Rover at 19 and, and a big house and £600 T-shirts, like the pressure's real. And if you don't have that, I can understand as a teenage uh, boy that you feel inadequate. And I think, you know, senior football managers need to also understand that pressure because uh, I felt as a kid, and like I said, it's been amplified now, so... Um, I don't ever judge these kids because, like I said, I was that kid once. But, um, you know, you, you, before, when, when you've got young boys with diamonds around their neck, it's, you're asking for trouble, to be honest. And uh, that's obviously a huge distraction as, as I, as I learned. Remember, you weren't broken by it, right? In some ways, you were made by it. But there's lots of people that were broken by it. And that's, <clears throat> that's the issue. You know, the, those are the people that you have to maybe think about, I think. Yeah, I mean, I played with a lot of those people who, you know, don't, who no longer play or play at a level level who were highly talented. And I think people just need to think long term. As much as when I was young, I was doing those things. As I said, my, my unbreakable confidence, I knew that somehow, some way, this would be nothing to me in the sense of like the expense. But I think some young boys is like football is all they have. And if this doesn't work, they're in deep trouble. And what I've also witnessed is when things start to fail, they actually spend more. They go on more nights out. They spend mm. more on clubs. They buy more on cars, clothes, jewellery to kind of compensate for the, the decline in other areas. And then before you know it, they're 30 and bankrupt. And I've also got a few people who have been highly successful who I know who are probably going to fit that pattern also. So that coping mechanism of maybe looking for an escape from when things are going wrong, was your coping mechanism then to throw yourself into the business? Yeah, um, I, it was kind of like putting the, my destiny in my hands. As I said, when I was at Doncaster, I think the first season, I'd like, I think I had most, one of the most assists in the league and no one talked about it. And I just realised, going back to the Wigan thing as well, I was just like, well, I've always been told facts numbers don't lie but if someone's not trying to showcase those facts to the wider public no one sees them unless they do deep research so with the business it was a case i would need to put this destiny back in my hands because 
when there's numbers on a screen in business, there's no hiding place, you know what I mean? They're, they're your numbers, and if you want to showcase those numbers, they are facts. To be a successful business after five years is probably harder than to be a footballer at, you know, football league level, to be honest. But it was just a case of, like, I, I can't have someone tell me yes or no. I need to be able to put in the work, see the direct correlation and results. And if it fails, it's also completely my fault. Whereas in football, if, if you succeed... You do need a helping hand, you need a manager to believe in you, you need to play in a good team. You, a lot of things have to go for you and if you fail, it's still your fault, do you know what I mean? And obviously a lot of people say, the manager didn't pick me or I played in a crap team. So there was too many moving variables. So, so you were sort of unfairly judged as a footballer in terms of people judged the external behaviours and made a judgment about you as a person. And you're now in an industry where people are making judgments about your brand and your clothes. So that seems like you've taken control of that. So how would you describe your business to somebody that was looking at it? What are the behaviours or the image that you would want people to to describe your business as? I'd say we always dictate the trends. Um, high quality at all times. So uh, I'm very particular about fabrics, how things fit. Um, price point presentation so very clean image um, minimal uh, affordable and then we release every month so kind of like a, always a new flow of, of product so my favourite business is Zara um, so I, I kind of take Zara's business ethics to a degree as I said before for who's the best how can you make your own you know, stamp and blueprint on that and that's what I try and do so constant flow of releases kind of a, a clean mass market audience um, at affordable prices and good quality. So I've took those fundamentals and tried and kind of remixed them into, into my own identity. And, and in your business as a culture, how would you, how would you describe Manier d'Ivoire away from the customers? What do you want it to be for the people that are with you? Uh, the staff. Um, they know, well, if you work with me, you know I'm hard work because like I always say to people, if I, if I said I like it six months ago, don't assume I like it in another six months because I, I always do that. So it's, it's a kind of... Uh, constant improvement in every single area from from the minimal details to the the really big things and yeah um, and you massively back your own opinion right because if you're saying that sort of thing you have to really believe what you're saying um i, I like to listen to everyone for sure yeah. i think it's important to get over pe- people's feedback and there's been plenty of times as they've they've said things i've missed and i'm like oh you know that's a good idea i didn't think of that um but at the same time obviously i have to trust my instinct so when my instinct says something to me like don't do this in the past, I've actually ignored it because I wanted to listen to people so heavily. And I've obviously read in books like, you know, don't be the smartest person in the room and listen to listen to everyone. They might see something you don't. But it actually got to a stage where I was listening too much and got and clouded my own instinct and things wouldn't work. So now I've kind of learned in that equilibrium. I've trust in that in, in a voice. And if there's a bit of doubt in my inner voice, then I'll listen to other people. So I've found that balance now. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a high-performance culture. I mean, I don't like people working overtime. I think you can get you know everything done in a working day. If you want to do more after working your own time, perfect. That's obviously for, for their self-development. But um, attention to detail is, is my thing and making sure the little things don't go by, I always say. What got me there in the start is what keeps me there. So whether it's a website tweak or, you know, the smallest of things, I'll pick it up and say we need to improve that. And that, was, that will never change, I don't think. We're, uh, we're nearly out of time. Before we get to the very end and we have some quick-fire questions, I'd just like you to do one, one thing for me. We have such a, a wide variety of people that will listen to this podcast. 
it's, it's big in the football world. So there will be young footballers listening to this conversation right now. I'd love you to just send a message to them based on the experiences that you learned, first of all. Um, think long term. Uh, hold off on the, you know, the, the clothes, cars and jewellery, which you know, give you short term satisfaction because you can have that when you're playing in the Premier League every week and you know, hopefully playing for your, your national team. Um, I think you can always do more. So, you know, when you finish training and, you know, you've, you, might have a, you might have a girl coming round or you might want to go shopping, just think, you know, put an extra two hours practicing that crossing, shooting, that'll pay off in the long run. And yeah, just have a, have a, oh, this is one thing I didn't do. I didn't think big enough. So my goal was to play in the Premier League and I did that. And then that was it, basically. The, my goal was to finish. So whatever your dream is today, if that's to play in the Premier League, have it one step bigger. Say, I want to play in the Champions League because then your application on a day-to-day basis completely changes because, you know, being a Premier League footballer and a Champions League footballer is completely different. So aim one step bigger than you think that's physically possible in that moment today. That's your message to a young player. What about your message to someone that wants to do what you've done? They want to set up a brand or a business. They have to make a brave decision. They need to, they need to go for it, but they're not sure whether it's the right time. Is it ever the right time? Based on your approach to life of 100% responsibility and no excuses to people listening to this now who want to do something of their own, how would you speak to them for the next minute or so? You mentioned about time and there's never a right time so that's one thing they need to understand firstly is like timing's never perfect you have to make the, the timing perfect so start um i think i said earlier in the podcast just make sure that you have a natural calling don't do it because your friend's doing it or you see someone else do it do it because it's, it's you know something inside your heart or your instinct saying do it um and then don't be scared to fail actually invite the failure when you lose money or make a mistake uh embrace that because that means you can grow um and don't be scared to fail as well, because I feel like people, like, as I said, are so worried about what their friends or family are going to say, or they're going to laugh or say, oh, they didn't, that didn't quite work out. But that's just human nature, unfortunately. I think people are just preying on, not all, but most people are preying on someone's downfall regardless. So you've got to embrace that feeling, because that's what makes you successful. The quick fire questions, race. What are the three non-negotiable behaviours that you and the people around you have to buy into? No excuses. Everything's possible. Dream bigger than you think's possible. What advice would you give to a teenage Reese just starting out? The 12-year-old you, if you could speak to the 12-year-old you again, what's the one thing you would say? I'd say aim to be the best in the world. That's my approach to this day. I said before about a footballer, if they think they can be a Premier League, be a Champions League footballer. But if I was to just give it to myself or someone at 12 who's kind of got... They're so malleable. I say aim to be Ronaldo or Messi every single day. That has to be your goal because if you fall short, you're still in a good place. So you're best in the world mentality. Are you happy? Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, I always say to people, if I was to have a day sad, um, I'd be very ungrateful because obviously I'm blessed to be born in in the UK um, with with, uh, many opportunities and there's people who would kill for these opportunities. So... Um, I've got my family uh, and obviously I've done okay in life. So for me to be sad would be very, very ungrateful. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm very uh, lucky to be in the position I am. Um, How important is legacy to you? That's a good question, to be honest, because I've gone through phases. Legacy in terms of me as a human, I don't really care because this is cynical, but when you die, no one really cares after it's all said and done anyway. But 
legacy in terms of people that I can touch in terms of like maybe they don't directly relate to my name, but whether that's giving opportunity or, you know, helping, you know, underprivileged kids succeed, that's definitely important as I get older. Um, but me, in a, in a selfish aspect, I don't really care about what people think of me once I'm said and done because um, I've, I've, again, studying people's failures. I, I see what they talk, how they talk about Steve Jobs in such a negative light or Elon Musk, the geniuses of the world anyway, who actually changed the world, Nikola Tesla's of the world. They don't care after they're gone. They just take what they give them and then they forget about them. So I think um, as long as my family, the people I love, and then underprivileged people who have no chance to succeed without your help, as long as I can help them, I'm happy. What's your one golden rule for a high-performance life? Complacency kills. Um, I've said before, if I could have one tattoo, which I don't have a tattoo, it would be that, because I think a lot of people in life become successful, but to stay there is one thing, and to do it for over five years is excellence, over 10 years is genius. If you're complacent, you can get there, and you'll fall by the wayside, so you've got to be consistent. I think Ronaldo is the prime example of that. Till this day, 35 years old, he's, he hasn't changed from when he was 17 years old. And that's where I'll probably play for another two, three years. He still wants to be the best in the world, even though his body's saying no. So that's admirable. Longevity is the true barometer of success. Final question. I'm interested to hear the answer to this one. In 10 years' time, where is Manier Devois? What is it? It won't be in my hands, that's for sure. So... Whoever decides to buy it, that's their decision. But I can say in two to two and a half to five years' time, it will be a very, very big online fashion player. I think the revenue will be in excess of 50, the 50 to 100 million mark. Yeah, but I don't, I always say, and I, this is, I guess, a good tip for, I don't overstep my mark. I always, I always set out to have like a 100 million pound valuation. And uh, of course, I'll be probably 30 by the time that happens. But uh, that was my mark for MDV. That was the limit I always said I would take it to and I don't want to overstep that. So once that arises, then I'll broaden horizons and see what, what I can, if I can join another one. And is turnover and money, is that how you judge success? No, no, turnover is irrelevant. It's profit. So um, when I say 100 million, it's a percentage of... But is that how you judge success, profit? Or is it about happiness and... Loving. In business, it's purely profit because why would you be in business if you didn't want to make money? In, in personal life, not at all. I, I always say how much money you have and, the, and, and how happy you are don't correlate at all. I think happiness comes from your thoughts, your, your thoughts in a daily and your perspective of life. If I had to, you know, go and live with my mom's house and have a normal car, it'd still be cool because my mind's wealthy, my thoughts are wealthy, and I know that being a business owner is my job. It's not my, it's not my life, it's just my job. Brilliant. I love that point. Like Camelot many years ago did research on lottery winners and happiness levels. And they found that when you win the lottery, your happiness spikes massively in that short term. But you go back to where you were within 12 months. If you were a cynic, you'll be back to being just a very wealthy cynic. If you're, yeah. if you're happy, you'll be a wealthy, happy person. And it seems like you've already discovered that. Yeah, just from reading, as I said, um, I understand that if you're a positive person and you can have a can-do attitude, you, you should be relatively happy and you understand what's real and what's fake and you know what's here to stay and what's not. You'll, you'll be okay. Um, I think you just have to earn you know, a, a good living. It, obviously, London's super expensive, so a good living in London is different to a good living up north. But 
I think there was a, another statistic. I think if you earn over a hundred thousand pounds, you're as happy as someone who earns a million pound. I think it's seventy thousand. Is, is the figure uh, seventy thousand dollars? So I don't know what that translates as, but yeah, you're right. It's it has no discernible impact. It doesn't a million pounds doesn't make you ten times happier. No, and I think what people don't understand about footballers is that they earn obviously a lot of money, but their standard of living is significantly more. The people they're surrounded with are also significantly wealthy, so they're almost in a delusion land. They don't know what's real and what's not because that's all they know. So when they have to come out of that world, that's why they get depressed because they're like, oh, obviously their other footballer friends have, you know, maybe have gone back at home if they're from abroad, or you're not in that environment in the changing room, and you're stuck with real world and real people, and that's extremely hard to deal with and. Um, I think it's the same for people who are business owners and super rich. Their circles change and they become surrounded by people who are all in that kind of the la-la land. And that's why I personally just keep myself, I literally stay indoors most of the time. All my friends are really normal. I've had the same friends since young because I don't want to get caught up. And that's when I start, you think you start to become unhappy. So I think people looking up to footballers, again, they're super, super talented people and, and, and elite athletes, most of them. But they also have... Uh, a big disadvantage in that sense is like if you're a normal person so to speak you can date a girl and know that she loves you if you're a footballer can you do that probably not and also when you get to the top and you have to fall or you've earned you're earning hundreds of thousands a week then it goes to zero how do you deal with that whereas if you've got a normal job and you're you know slowly progressing every single year you can progress till you're 70 years old or retire as a footballer it's 30 high and then straight to the low so people just need to understand like don't judge people until you walk, you know, in their shoes. Listen, thank you so much for spending the time to be with us today. I, I think you've really put the message across that even in a successful life like yours, and it is absolutely successful to play for City, to have a professional football career, very few people manage that, and then to go and set up a multi-million pound fashion brand. Yet, it hasn't been necessarily easy, and it absolutely hasn't just fallen your way up. I'm so pleased I've met you because looking at your tweets, I've sometimes thought to myself, like, is this all for real? Like this sort of, um, this belief that he has in his own ability and the fact that he is going to get there. Um, you sometimes get the impression on social media that someone feels they have to put that message out there. But sitting and talking to you for half an hour, I absolutely believe that you don't take excuses and you don't make excuses and you take full responsibility for every single part of your life, which I think is a hugely healthy mindset. And, when you say many a devour will be a hundred million pound ton of a business in the next five years, it probably will be because you've decided it's so. And I, I get the impression you're the kind of person that will impose your will on that business and will make it successful. So thank you for your time. And I hope that that was really interesting and inspirational for lots of our listeners. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Damien. Jake. That young man um, is going to be a huge success. Obviously, he already is, but he's going to go on for even more success because he absolutely believes he will. And I think we often underestimate the power of self-belief, right? Absolutely. I think there's something called Orr's Law. It's named after a guy called Robert Orr that says what the mind believes, the mind will also prove. So if you believe that you can do something, like he was saying there about he's going to have a £100 million turnover business, your mind will always find evidence to go and prove it as well. And I think some people struggle with that because if you talk about 100% responsibility, like for every tiny facet of your life, it's quite a difficult and brave thing to do because you're exposing yourself to all the bad stuff as well as the good stuff. But I think he is, 
he is an absolute testament to someone who has said, right, I'm going to take complete control of every part of my life. And if I believe it's going to be a success, I'm, I'm going to make it so. And I think there's a good message there for everyone. Yeah, definitely. And I think he's been in an industry where, like he said, he thought the numbers wouldn't lie if you were scoring enough goals, making enough assists, running as far as you was, that the evidence would uh, be enough. And he found out that there's a whole heap of different factors that were outside of his control that led to his relative demise in the sport. So he's obviously embraced that lesson and said, so what do I control? Which is what he's now bringing into business with real tangible success. It's a sad indictment in some ways, though, on the football industry that you can't tolerate young men like him with ambition who are a little bit different and and you can see what, what, what they bring to the party rather than eventually sort of seeing them out of the game. Well... In our interview that we did with uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he spoke about this idea of assessing people for their character rather than pre- yeah. preconceived judgment. So he spoke about Danny Welbeck and he noticed that he was the kid who would always stay behind to help the coaches collect the footballs in. And that is a far more indicative reflection of Danny Welbeck as a person than what Carvey was driving. And I think you're right that I think sometimes we need to learn to judge character rather than perception our outcomes and I don't think that's necessarily unique to football I think it's unique to all of us that sometimes we need to challenge our own preconceptions absolutely and I think the final message really from Reese would be that anything you want to do you can do you just will never find the perfect time so what he said at the end there you just have to do it start begin the process so if anyone's listening to this with a big ambition that they haven't yet gone for hopefully that's the conversation that spurs them on one of the beautiful things about this podcast series is just the amount of overlap there is. And again, when Reese was talking, he, he reminded me of Stephen Bartlett from the first series who said, belief comes from just doing it, just giving it a go, learning from it, and then you build the belief of your capability through action. And again, that's Reese's point there, just get on with it. Well, Damien, I thought Reese was a really interesting individual to you know conquer football um, and then to kind of let it go and then to attack the world of fashion was amazing yeah I thought it was brilliant I thought his his level of self-awareness of, of recognizing that uh, why he didn't pursue um, the level of success that his career should have done in football was uh, was really quite humbling to uh, to listen to it but I love that he's taken those lessons and he's now applying it in a, in a completely different world. Yeah, and if you don't follow Reese Wabara on Instagram or on Twitter, I strongly recommend you do. He's absolutely fascinating. While I'm telling you that, a quick reminder, you can find Damien at Liquid Thinker on Instagram. You can find me at Jake Humphrey or at High Performance is also on Instagram as well. And also you can check out our YouTube page. We've had over a million views of the conversations that we've had. So if you want to see the podcast in video form, check out the High Performance Podcast YouTube channel. Um, let's dive in with a few questions. As always, loads of comments coming in from people. Thank you all very much indeed. If you can leave a review for the podcast, it makes such a huge difference for us. It helps us reach more people. Here's a question. Can you be sloppy off the field, but detailed on it? Oh, that is a good question. There's an old saying in military environments that you don't rise to the performance when you come under pressure. You simply descend to your level of training. So I think that's why people often talk about uh, high standards off the field are often reflected on it. So it's the idea of discipline and doing uh, the right thing over and over again manifests itself as part of your character and it becomes almost second nature. So I'd argue that, yes, you can be sloppy off the field, but... 
uh, a high performer on it, but I think you could certainly... It, I, th- I think being disciplined helps. I think that when we speak to people, um, it's not forced. Like, being a high performer isn't something they have to switch on or switch off, and I think they would struggle to do that. It's almost... It might be something they've learned. It might be something that is innate. It's certainly something that they've had to work hard to achieve. But I don't believe that whether you're Stephen Bartlett, Holly Tucker, or Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you are switched off at any point. You are a high-performance individual, yeah. which is why you've got success. You haven't got success, then become a high-performance individual. Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned the story before um, when we've been chatting on this, but the one that always comes to my mind was Chris Hoy turning up 10 minutes early for the interview, just because we got a chance to explore it with him and the idea that I've said I'll be here at 10, I'm here at 10 to 10, I'm ready, and I'm prepared to go right away. What does that tell you? He's reliable, he's punctual, and he does what he says he'll do, which is what you saw when he was out there on the track breaking world records. Um, Bailey has sent us a message to say... Um, or they've used a quote of yours, Damien. Be rigid about your goals, but flexible about the route you get there. Serious quote from <laughs> Professor Damien Hughes on the High Performance Podcast. I just want to investigate this a little bit further because I think that you need to be flexible about the route to get to your goals because you can only be flexible if you're resilient because you need to accept, you need to approach something in a different way. If you haven't got the resilience to do that, yep. you assume you're on the wrong path and you change the path and guess what? You change the path, you get to a different destination. Yep. So it's so important, isn't it? Not just to be rigid about your goals, to know where you want to go, but to be flexible kind of allows you to fail. Yes, exactly. Because again, we'll echo Chris Hoy's lesson on this, this idea of the Father Christmas syndrome that he spoke about. If you're only focused on never losing the moment that you have a setback or somebody's better than you, your whole world comes crumbling down because suddenly that illusion of invincibility has been shattered. Whereas if you accept that losing is part of the process of winning, it means that when it happens to you, you don't beat yourself up for it. You look and say, how do I get better? How do I improve? Failure isn't the opposite of success. It's part of getting there. Absolutely. Um, Archie, I love this from Archie. Thanks very much for getting in touch. He said, I can't recommend the High Performance Podcast with Jake and Damien enough. I find myself almost having to stop on my run to write (laughs) points down. It's a must for any coach, athlete or parent. And I think as parents, that's a key thing for us that parents are getting takeaways from this podcast, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's really um, something that gives us both a lot of satisfaction of exploring parenting with some of our guests and getting them to understand how they're taking their high performance lessons and applying it to their children and then hopefully we 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 can take it ourselves as parents and pass it on to others so that gives me a lot of pleasure let's go for one last question before we thank people for listening this week um let's go for this one from fiona mooney really interesting do you think people in society finds it harder to have faith in quiet leaders Yes, I think we do. I think social media uh, amplifies this idea that we've always got to have an answer. We've always got to be the ones that are out there um, making opinions. And I think sometimes we can often lose sight of the quiet leadership, the ones that are in the shadows, just doing the right thing day after day. So I think, yeah, we do celebrate those that are loud, those that are out there. 
Love that. Right. Thank you so much, Damien. As always, such a pleasure. Um, And of course, thanks to you as well, our loyal, lovely listeners for getting in touch. Um, Just a quick reminder that if you can leave reviews for us, it makes such a difference. It helps us to reach more people than ever before. Thanks as well to the Argyle Club for the amazing, awesome recording location that they offered to us. And thanks to Matt Hill at Rethink Audio for his hard work, but mostly for you for taking the decision to chase a high performance life. Don't forget, you can join us on Sunday evenings at eight o'clock on Instagram for our little high performance Instagram live you can find us across social media but most of all be happy have a brilliant week chase that high performance life and we'll see you soon When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.